Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, another victory Monday, and this one. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Let that bad boy play. It's the anthem that really reeks of a Merry Christmas. You belong to the You belong to the city. You belong to the night. Duval right now is... um. It's about as electrifying as I honestly can ever remember. Okay, 96 was so special. 99 was the best team. You just couldn't cross out the demon of the Tennessee Titans, who, by the way, right now, at just after 6 o'clock on a Monday, they are dead, okay? Tennessee's dead. Tennessee's losing to Houston this weekend. Tennessee's going to get rolled by Dallas in two weeks, and I don't even know if it's going to mean anything by the time they get here because Tennessee's going to be so out of it. Jacksonville's going to punch him right in the nose to close out the season. Folks, you are looking live at the AFC Southern champion, Jacksonville Jaguars. This team right now is on an absolute tear. And I don't know how they've done it. I'm not going to sit here like I have all the answers. I I still look back to when they just laid down in Detroit. I mean, what an awful performance. Uh, Just staggering. It it, it felt like they quit. It it, it felt like at that particular time, Mike Caldwell had to go. Trent Bulky had to go. A lot of these free agents. It just wasn't working. Then all of a sudden, what happened? How did this team wake up? And... You know, this football team, they still struggle early on. You know, we talked about it two weeks ago in Tennessee. You're down 7 nothing. You're down 14-7. Come from behind, and they win. Yesterday against Dallas, you're down 14 nothing. You're down 21-7 at half. Hell, you're down 27-10 late in the third quarter. And they came back. You were down 20-3 in Detroit. Okay, that was a stinker. There's no disguising that one, right? You can sterilize, you can cleanse, you can disinfect, you can do whatever you want. That thing stinks, okay? Uh, Baltimore, you're down 16 nothing. but if you hang on to the football, if Baltimore did, you took seven-point opportunities, two of them, and made the Ravens settle for field goals. So you go back and you look at the game, it will say 6 nothing Baltimore, but realistically, probably should have been 14 nothing. Ravens, 20 nothing in Kansas City, and of course, maybe the sign that we should have gotten a little bit earlier 
was when you were down 17 to nothing to Vegas and you came from behind to win that football game. Just absolutely phenomenal. Loving this win, 40 to 34. What a great day for all of you. And I mean, what a magical way to really head into the holidays, right? I mean, you got tonight, you got tomorrow and Wednesday. Then all of a sudden, you got Thursday and an incredibly uh, winnable game against the New York Jets. I happen to think New York is very well coached. I happen to think that New York, they, they remind me a little bit like Detroit did going back to that game. Not nearly as much firepower, okay? Jerry Goff's having a really good year. Their weapons on offense are doing some really good things. You, you can't really say that right now about the New York Jets. It, you know, it doesn't look like Mike White's going to be able to go, so we're going to get the rematch of the top pick and the number two pick from a year ago uh, with Zach Wilson in front of a nationally televised audience. It, it's going to be a special game. My only concern is weather, and that is something that no one can control. Jacksonville has defied all the odds. They went out in the West Coast. They snapped that streak against NFC opponents at 20. Uh, they finally got it done in Nashville, right? Houston is up in a week where they've won nine straight, and it, it it just feels like, you know, that is going to be snatched away finally as well. Although I'll say Houston's playing some pretty good football. Houston hangs around. You know, they're one of those teams that if you got to put them down, keep them down. Get the knockout. Uh, don't let them live. Uh, they're playing inspired football. They're much better than their record would indicate, and I think that's kind of the league this year. Jacksonville's come from nowhere. Detroit has come from nowhere. Uh, it feels like the Jets are getting better. It feels like Houston it, it, at least is much better than the record would tell you, and, and obviously the last two teams I mentioned are going to be in the market for a quarterback come the 2023 season, whether it is free agency or the draft. One team that is not in the market for a quarterback is the Jacksonville Jaguars because Trevor Lawrence is a guy right in front of our eyes who is getting better each and every week. Some of the throws that he makes are, yes, generational-like. They are. There's only a few guys in the league. I watched what Justin Herbert did on that pass down the sideline when uh, Tennessee went into prevent defense with less than a minute to go in the game, and, and Herbert can make those throws. I think Burrow can make those throws. I don't know if Brady can any longer. Boy, they blew a 17-point lead yesterday, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys who blew a 17-point lead. But watching what Trevor Lawrence did uh, was magnificent. And what about picking himself up after the fumble? And I know you're a very emotional listening audience. You're a very emotional group here in Jacksonville, and that's one of the things I admire about you. I can only imagine what the comments were like when Trevor tried to make a play. He did. He tried to make a play, and everyone's like, you know, you learned from it. You got to get down. Trevor knows he's got to get down. He's been told he's got to get down forever. He tried to make a play, and it backfired. He turned the football over, but what about the defense? To, and, and, and I'll say this, because what is a little bit disappointing, and you're not getting it here, you're getting accurate analysis here. You're, you're getting the truth here. But around the country, and particularly in the Metroplex, 
there's a whole lot of, hmm, tell me if this sounds familiar. Dallas didn't lose that game yesterday, or Jacksonville didn't win that game yesterday. Dallas lost it. Dallas made massive mistakes in that football game, and to some degree, they're right. Let me tell you how, how I feel about this. If I was a Dallas Cowboys fan right now, I'd be looking at a wild card, probably a one and done. Who knows? Maybe if you go to Tampa, you can win a playoff game there, whoever wins the AFC South. If, in fact, you are the highest-ranked uh, wild card team. And obviously, this whole bunch of stuff coming out of Philadelphia right now with the shoulder of Jalen Hurts. Is he going to be able to play on Christmas Eve? If not, Gardner Minshew would get that opportunity for Philly. But that's being really drummed up as an enormous football game and obviously a physical battle uh, that is going to take place there in the NFC East. Speaking of which, the overall physicality, I thought Jacksonville was the more physical team yesterday than Dallas. D- Dallas got three Hall of Famers in that offensive line. Uh, if you, I guess, consider the rotation – uh, that happened at right tackle, including the 40-year-old Jason Peters. But back to my point in Dallas, here's what you got, okay? Mike McCarthy fired himself yesterday, in my opinion, okay? Sean Payton is going to be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. If I was a Dallas fan right now, I would be so incredibly PO'd because you had a chance to win it. Trevor fumbles. Dallas has three, excuse me, Jacksonville has three timeouts. Dallas runs two very obvious running plays. They lose yards. Jacksonville calls timeout. I I think on two plays, they lost like six, maybe seven seconds. So it's third and probably 10, maybe 11, possibly 12, something in in that particular category. You, You do one of two things. You run it to make Jacksonville call their final timeout. And how important were th- was that final timeout? Even though the referees made a mistake on the Evan Ingram play initially, not saying that he made his way out of bounds. They reviewed it. They got it right. Jacksonville got back the timeout, and obviously that was enormous because it led to the game tying field goal. But you go back to that third and whatever it was. There's two things that you can do. Run it and get Jack, you know, run it and get Jacksonville to use their final timeout or throw the ball just past the sticks. Try to, you pick up a first down, you win. What does Mike McCarthy do? He, he throws a bomb 40 yards down the left sideline. Very good coverage by Darius Williams in that situation. I mean, that's unthinkable. You, you can't do that. To me, that's on the same stratosphere of a year ago during Bama and Auburn. Remember when Tank uh, Bigsby didn't get out of bounds? Okay. I mean, it's like football 101 uh, or, or stay inbounds, go down inbounds, let that clock run. He didn't. And we remember what happened there. H- how can Dallas, how can Kellen Moore, how can Mike McCarthy with an opportunity to win the game? You do one of two things and they throw the ball. So the clock stops, and if Jacksonville was forced to take that, let's say they ran a pop. Let's say they ran it right behind the center and and left guard. You would have lost another four or five seconds. Jacksonville would have had to have called the timeout. Now, everything to say that Jacksonville wouldn't come back is unfair. 
Because the game changes with down and distance. The game changes based on whether or not you have a timeout in your back pocket or you do not have a timeout in your back pocket. But again, that's the message coming out of Dallas. Well, if they burnt that timeout, they never would have been able to tie the football game. Again, we don't know that because situations do change. But brother, Mike McCarthy, man, you were done as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I want a coach who tries to win football games. Doug Peterson tries to win football games. And the best example that anyone will ever give you about him is watching that tape back when he won a Super Bowl and watching Jacksonville, you know, try to sit on a lead in New England and Nate Hackett running it on first down and passing it on second down and throwing incomplete passes on third down, not burning the clock, trying to sit on a lead. Doug Peterson gets the Patriots two weeks later. What does he do? Tries to win. Philly special, going forward on fourth down. How magical was his play calling yesterday? Jacksonville ran it for nearly 200 yards. Jamal Agnew is absolutely Duval's VJ. He is Vinnie Johnson. He is the human microwave. Whenever Jamal Agnew comes into the game, he is a threat. And three carries yesterday, three reverses, 52 yards. Uh, love him. He's, he's like one of the greatest pinch hitters. He's like, who was who the great pinch hitter? I know it was Lenny um, Harris. Lenny Harris, I think, has the most all-time pinch hit uh, pinch hits. Matty Alou was really good. Uh, what about uh, Keith Lockhart? Keith Lockhart, okay. Bernie Carbo came up in game Julio six. Franco. Game six. Julio Franco had like over 2,800 career yeah. hits. Julio Franco's arguably a Hall of Famer. He's the face of steroids as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jamal Agnew. I mean, the play calling yesterday. And, you know, you're witnessing the development of a quarterback who's going to win. Okay? I mean, it's going to happen. This man at the age of 23 is going to lead this city is going to lead this team to a Super Bowl. Would I say it's, you know, am I going to tell you it's going to happen this year? That'd be a little bit foolish at this point. But you can see how it's beginning to develop on a week-to-week basis and his maturity and his leadership. So overall, just an absolutely incredible game uh, for the Jaguars, and it's right there in front of them. All right? A win in New Jersey, a win in Houston, home here with Tennessee. And the Jaguars will stay here for another week, of course, hosting uh, the division, make that the wild card round of the National Football League playoffs. All right, we got a lot to do tonight. Uh, you're going to hear from Doug Peterson. I uh, thought Doug, Doug's press conference today uh, was, was really good. There is some bad news here uh, with Cam Robinson. It's not the same knee that he tore back in 2018. Actually, he... He, he tore the ACL in game two of 2018. That was the left knee. Then he had a, you know, he had a preseason hyperextended knee in 2019. That cost him the first couple of games. We know he missed some time last year, and Walker Little got an opportunity. The meniscus tear, though, is on the right knee. So, you know, I, I, and I don't know what's better. I don't know if they reconstructed that left knee where it was better and stronger. Then before the torn ACL, so to sit here and say, 
well, it's better to be the right knee than the left knee. Uh, I don't know. I'm on a doctor. I mean, on the surface, you would think so, right? I mean, isn't that just kind of the way that the thinking goes that, hey, at least it's not that same knee. Uh, it appears he's not going to be here, though, for the remainder of the year. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to save this for the other side. So, yeah, we will uh, certainly have a, a long conversation about that. And we're going to hear from Doug Peterson again today, some of the comments that he did make. Uh, after the victory yesterday for Jacksonville. All right, opening comments brought to you by Schmudez Vision. They want to wish you, uh, you and yours, a happy holidays and uh, what a great week it is for them. And, you know, let me remind you, you depending on where you were sitting yesterday, were you able to see that Rayshon Jenkins pick? Did you think, oh, man, maybe that hit the ground or maybe something along those lines, even with the world's largest scoreboards there, or maybe Vegas in L.A. have passed them by. But at one time, they were the world's largest scoreboards. Uh, You still don't see all that well. Well, I have your cure. It's Schmunez Vision. Regardless of what your situation is, it's time for an eye exam at Schmunez Vision. Uh, Cataract surgery, an option. You may not need cataract surgery. You may just have an issue with your cataract, and it's something that can be fixed immediately. Um, They... Part of their expertise as well is refractive surgery, obviously laser eye surgery. They're a family organization, and they focus on personal high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Folks, take down the number right now, 299-2906. Go to SchmunezVision.com. Set yourself up right now for an eye exam to begin the 2023 year, and who knows, maybe you're a candidate for laser eye surgery. Again, the number's 299-2906, or go to schmunezvision.com, care you can see. Are we on YouTube tonight, JJ? We are on YouTube. All you have to do is uh, go to YouTube, go to 1010XL's YouTube page. We will be the first video you can see. Leave us a comment, question, share with your friends, give us a like. It is a Monday. We've got a ton to do. He's JJ. My name is Rick Ballou. With you tonight till 8, this is Into the Night. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Is there an instrument that women love more than the saxophone if so i am unaware of it sure they like a little piano and maybe a guitar but the ladies love the saxophone the ladies love victories and 40 to 34 my goodness man Uh, just incredible just absolutely incredible 60 minutes of football and no quit. I mean, it, it just feels like this is a team that uh, is is really believing uh, in Doug Peterson, believing in one another. It it still has a lot of holes. It really is to me. It's a Swiss cheese defense. Uh, we saw, you know, three linebacker looks a little bit tomorrow. Where surprisingly enough, it was Devin Lloyd who got the start. I think he played 71 snaps yesterday. I, I want to say there was only like 11. Maybe it was 15 uh, for Chad Muma. But, you know, guys go down. You lost Big Foley yesterday uh, to an injury, which obviously is is disappointing. And 
you know, I want to get to Cam Robinson. Before I get there, here's a good text on our text line at 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, uh, talking about, after my opinion on, on Mike McCarthy yesterday, um, it says, uh, Baloo, McCarthy was hoping a questionable Jacksonville secondary to commit a pass interference, uh, get the first on that, and then run the clock out. Okay, you know what? And, and I thought that as well. You'd be a fool not to think it, but you got to play the percentages here. And the refs right? don't make calls on those type of plays either. If you're going to do something like that, and let's say there are Jordan rules that could come into effect, aren't you going to throw it to your guy in the slot? Aren't you going to throw it to CG, uh, to CD Lamb, who's just phenomenal? And, you know, Gallup and Brown, the other two, okay, a little bit of respect there. And, and it was really good coverage by Darius Williams. And he actually did bump him a little bit. But, you know, obviously the refs elected not to call uh, a penalty there. And I didn't think, for the record, I didn't think it was a pass interference. But I, but I do understand your way of thinking. I, you know, and it's so easy to second guess. But, man, I would have tried to go for the first down. I, I would have ran some routes right over the chains. And, um, you know, you pick up the first down, you win. Or, or it, that way, even if you don't get the first down, you still get a catch. They still have to call a timeout. Exactly. Like a high percentage throw. Mm-hmm. It's a football team that is sensational on third down, both offensively and defensively. We talked about it all last week on the defensive side. You know, Dallas was third in the league in defensive conversion rate defensively on third down. And, and look what Jacksonville did yesterday. Let me dig these numbers up for you. Jacksonville was 8 of 12. They were 3 for 12 in Detroit on third down because I remember it. And Detroit, do you remember they had – historically speaking, like the worst third down conversion defensive rate in like the history of the league, not this year, but in the history of professional football in Jacksonville on that day went three of 12. Here's the exact opposite. You're taking on a Dallas team. Okay. Even though you won the game, Dallas is still considered a better team. Dallas is considered one of the best teams in the NFL. And with their phenomenal third down conversion rate, the Jags go 8 of 12? Wow. Impressive game and a big win. All right. A little bit of bad news here. Let's get through it. Cam Robinson, um, depending on how you grade him, it's, 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 it's been a good year for Cam Robinson. I, I, I struggle somewhat to say that. And... It's not because I have an agenda. I don't, um, but I never would have paid Cam, okay? So if that means I do have an agenda, fine. I mean, I'll leave that up to you. I don't don't wish for him to get injured. I don't wish for him not to play well, okay? That's not where I am. I've never been that way just because a guy is signed that I don't like or or this happens. I I can easily... um, you know, take the punches along the way. I mean, go back to my comments after the Detroit loss. I mailed it in. Okay, I put this organization six feet under. I'm not afraid to admit it. All right? 
Uh, I imagine a lot of you did as well. But what's great about fans is that it doesn't matter. You can say anything you want. You can do anything you want. When push comes to shove, you're, you're going to support the team through the good and the bad, through the thick and the thin. And, and watching what this team does now on a week-to-week basis coming from behind is, uh, is, is really scary. But anyway, Cam Robinson, depending on who you talk to, yeah, I know Leon Cersei doesn't think he's played all that well. We just had, um, who do we have out? Uche Winari, former guard here. And, you know, he, I didn't even ask him about Cam. When I did the interview with him, like I'm guessing maybe, what, 10 days or so ago, he, he kind of went off uh, on him. So the point I'm getting at is there is a definite difference of opinion on Cam Robinson, just like there's a definite difference in opinion on Jawan Taylor, who missed a little bit of time with a hamstring and then, of course, came by and was able to tough it out. However, for Cam Robinson, the news is not good. Doug Peterson was asked about his starting left tackle earlier today. Cam, is it's unfortunate. Knee injury, probably lost for the year. ACL was good, meniscus. Um, you know, I, I hate it for him because he's, he's played extremely well this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's... He's going to miss some time now. I hate it for him, too. The guy's played in a lot of stinkers over the years. He's played a lot of losing football. Now, all of a sudden, this team is moving forward on a week-to-week basis. Again, I think they're going to win the AFC South. I mean, they are rolling right now. And to lose a guy like that hurts. Also kind of lost in this is, and I thought this would be a conversation that after that loss in Detroit that, we'd be knee-deep into right now, no pun intended. That's talking about Walker Little. And, you know, Little comes in and gets one series at right tackle. And then you have Cam go down. So what do you do? you got to take Little and put him over on the left side and with the hamstring bring Juwan Taylor back into the football game it's just amazing how that happened because if it was just Taylor who went out, then you could have gotten a better feel for, you know, where is Walker Little right now as your right tackle? And, and I don't want to dwell on this all too much because there's, there's relevant football uh, to talk about. And the offseason moves will happen during the offseason. But for me, this is one of the biggest decisions this football team is going to have to make. And, and in my opinion... I believe they're leaning towards re-signing Taylor at right tackle. So anyway, it would have been nice to have seen Little get all those snaps in at right tackle. It didn't happen that way. Instead, he is forced to go over and play left tackle. And obviously, he is going to do that, I think, for four more games. Okay? The three regular season games. And I'm totally convinced right now Jacksonville's going to host the playoff game here during wild card weekend. So you're talking about four games of him at left tackle, we're not going to be able to see him on the right side. Uh, Doug Peterson today was asked about his swing tackle, Walker Little, and how he performed. He's always prepared, number one. And he went in there into some some adverse, you know, conditions against those uh, those two edge rushers and, and did a nice job, you know. So we got a lot of confidence in Walker um, and uh, look forward to, you know, getting him in there and getting him going. So... We're going to find out. I mean, he is pushed into massive service now. It is the most important position on the football field, certainly on the offense, next to your quarterback. 
you have got to protect the blind side of Trevor Lawrence. And what an enormous opportunity for Walker Little. Kind of, kind of been a forgotten man, right? We, we've seen some guys come back who were forgotten and have played well. Uh, Dewey, okay? Wingard made some big plays. Trey Herndon had a really bad day yesterday. I, I, I just thought that that was, that was the wrong scheme. And I know they try to change it up a little bit, but you, you can't put Trey Herndon man-to-man on C.D. Lamb. You, you just can't. <laughs> I mean, C.D. Lamb is one of the top wide receivers in the game. He's an incredible route runner. And, you know, you even go back to that first, the first play when um, Lamb made a nice grab. Man, it was really, really good coverage by Trey Herndon. Dak Prescott just absolutely threaded the needle. A little bit later on in the game, I mean, C.D. Lamb was was able to, um, you know, to come up and 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 just totally get away from Herndon. You know, I I don't know if you saw this, but I I've I've read about it a few places where they say that Herndon got a hand on the ball and tipped it before Rayshon Jenkins took it back for the interception. I'm like, there's no way that that was just a flat. I thought drop. it was just Noah Brown, just, right? Oh, he it was. It was a tough catch, but. Those people need to see Shmunez's vision because they, they don't know what's going on with their eyes. I mean, I'm like, listen, I would love to credit Trey Herndon here, but he did not get a paw on that ball. That was a drop by Brown. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier in the game, it was tough to win. It was like every third and long, you know, CeeDee Lamb was open. He was toying with him the entire game. It, it was great to see him finally slow down in the second half. Mm-hmm. But, but that guy's a freak. Like, that's a real number one receiver. Right. And I couldn't fathom what Trevor would be like with somebody like that. J- Jacksonville's got a real issue in the secondary. Okay. And, you know, I said 30 all week, right? It, it took 40. Yeah. It took 40 points to win this game. And, you know, tough weather Thursday night in New York. New York's not a, uh, you know, they're, they're not a, a great offense. Twenty uh, points probably wins this game. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. Now they have a good defense. Eighteen point eight a game is where they are, and they actually score a little bit more than you would think. They score twenty three four. If you look at point differential, the Jets actually are plus eighteen. The Jaguars are plus six. So the Jets are in the category of the Lions, where they're better than what meets the eye, and. And, and last week's theme for me was learn how to win after a win, okay? You're a dog at Tennessee. You win. You're a dog at home yesterday against Dallas, and you win. This is going to be an even pick. I haven't even checked the money today. It came out released last night as an even pick. We'll see how the money goes this week, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jacksonville ends up a slight favorite in this game come Thursday. You, you got to now learn how to beat teams that you're supposed to beat. And that is what is next uh, for the Jaguars. So, anyway, back to Herndon. There's a guy they kind of gave up on. He played okay. Yeah, he was sizzled at times yesterday, but I think you would agree with me. You know, they tried Buster Brown. Uh, they, they tried some other things. This is their best secondary. With Campbell on one side, Williams on the outside on the other, and then, you know, using Trey Herndon in the slot – it is still something that needs to be improved. Um, as great as Rayshon was yesterday with 18 tackles, 
Are you kidding me? 18. And the two picks, uh, yesterday I thought Cisco missed a couple of, 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 of really good opportunities. That one-on-one in space, man, I know it's hard, but you got to make that tackle. You, you, you have to. And I, it's like I, I want to push Cisco up. You know what I mean? I want, I want to take him. What's he playing? C football, maybe C plus football. I, I, I want to push him up to like a B. You know what I'm saying? But you fall flat on your face on a mistake like that. Mistakes like that get forgotten because you won a football game. But my point is, the deeper you get into this, the tougher the opponents are going to be. And you have to make that play. So, I think overall, yeah, that secondary is absolutely going to be retooled in one year. All right, before we head to the break, let's, uh, let's do number three and just the overall... We'll let you get it here from the head coach. He, you know, there were several injuries yesterday with Big Foley and, and ETN and, of course, both starting tackles. Here is what Doug Peterson had to say. Remember, the short week, game on Thursday. Here's your head coach on the injury situation. Juwan will play. Um, Foley will be day-to-day this week uh, on a short week with the ankle. You know, we just got to see how he is, you know, today, tomorrow, and obviously Wednesday. So we'll see how that is day-to-day. Uh, Trayvon the same way, optimistic, but day-to-day with him. Uh, Chad will be fine. He got a little sore, you know, in the football game, and, and so it's, it, it limited him just a little bit, but he'll be fine. Um, Cisco is good. Travis will be good. So, yeah, all the other guys, just just nagging little things, but but they should all be, they should all be ready to go. So that's good news, of course. Uh, the rookie, Trayvon Walker, did not play yesterday with that high ankle sprain. Yeah, if you can get through this game and win it in four days, you get 10 days to get healthy. So, I don't know, how about all this positivity, To get healthy JJ? for Houston. You know what? I'm telling you right now. You're worried about that game. Houston's going to beat Tennessee this weekend. I'm telling oh, you right wow. I'm telling you right now. I've watched Tennessee. I have I, watched I, Houston play the last couple. Houston is going to beat Tennessee. This weekend. The thing that I worry about is their defense is looking amazing, but man, they cannot score. <laughs> you know, like if ten, neither, neither can Tennessee. Tennessee. You're right. It might be like 14 to 13 final score. I said originally today, I think the Jags win out and I think Tennessee goes one and two. I think they do beat Houston, but um, lose the next two, obviously, to the Jags in the final game. All right, let me find this as we head to the break because I'm looking at an overall scoring offense in the. National Football League. Houston is 30th. They score 16.8 a game. Uh, Tennessee is 26th. They score 18.2. It might that might be the final score. 18.2 to 16. Yeah, and a stinker. Do not watch that game, folks. That is going to be a bad one. And I know that Tennessee is a touchdown favorite, but I'm, I'm picking the upset right now. I think Houston is going to win that contest. All right, we got much more to do. The best way for you to get a hold of us, a couple of ways uh, you can do so on Twitter. That's Blue1010XL. Also on the text line, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, and as well on YouTube. How do they get on YouTube? Go to 1010XL. We'll be the first video. It's impossible not to find us. All right, we got much more to do. He's JJ. I'm Rick Blue with you tonight till 8. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou.
on 1010XL 92.5 FM. You know, resiliency is a word I want to go with. You look at the uh, two top draft picks from a year ago. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, there was there was twice yesterday where there was some miscommunication with some routes. Um, one led to a pick. It was his first in 204 passing attempts. The other was obviously the fumble. And, you know, we we talked about that, how he was able to bounce back after. How about that one throw that went right between the hands of the um, the Dallas Cowboy player? I, I, I don't remember who it was on defense, but if you go back and watch the game on television, if you haven't had an opportunity to see it yet, I know a lot of you Jag fans tape games and you go back and watch it uh, during the week, you are going to be absolutely blown away by this. They, they show it two or three times. I mean, it's almost as if how did he not get at least a finger on the football. Uh, it was amazing. There was another rocket he threw that I guess you could count it as a drop from Kirk, but the defender was sort of right there. Maybe that's the same exact play you're talking about. No, this was later. This was in okay. the fourth quarter. So Kirk dropped a ball on like third and long. I remember that one. But he it, could have turned upfield for a long time. But, man, the ability to zip it in that close. It's like I don't even blame Kirk for dropping it. It was such an <laughs> insane pass. Yeah, and, and I mean – Yesterday was this bizarre. Dewan Smoot in coverage. Got a paw up. Uh, Devon Hamilton in coverage. Yes. Getting a paw Unfortunately, up. Unfortunately, we saw Josh Allen get burnt in coverage as well. And you touchdown. know what, though? It was pretty good coverage by Josh Allen. Yeah. And I'm with you. I, I wouldn't I have those them, guys yeah. in coverage. I, I wouldn't do it. But, you know, that's that's what they decided to do. The, the other thing yesterday as far as uh, re- – you know, being resilient, the fumble by ETN. And, you know, Twitter's undefeated. Tw- Twitter and Rocky Marciano are the only two people that, that I have ever come across who are undefeated. And this guy doesn't do it. This guy fumbles too much. This guy's going to be... Th- I'm like, okay, it is becoming a problem. I think he has three lost fumbles on the season. That That is something... That is going to have to be addressed. And they seem to be very recent. Right. But he also bounced back and ran for over 100, 100 yards. I mean, 19 carries, 103 yards. An average of 5.4. And, you know, a lot of guys, we, we saw what this football team did last year when James Robinson fumbled, right? Didn't see him for three weeks. He was gone. So, and, and Doug Peterson actually talked to, do we have that? on here because Doug Peterson talked about that today about you know and I kind of kidded on Doug during the five game losing streak because everything was a lesson learned and he loves I I do think he he is very transparent but he loves going to the the learned lesson and you know I, I I think it's it's hard for a lot of people in a lot of scenarios to accept learning something when you are a professional, okay? Even all you have to do is look at Trevor Lawrence and some of the mistakes he made earlier in the year, and, and he, he still made some yesterday. I mean, the fumble. You, you know Mike McCoy. You trying to tell me that Jim Bob Cooter has not had conversations with him about getting down and that, um, you know— Press Taylor has had conversations with him. Mike McCoy has had conversations with him. Doug Peterson has had conversations with him. The man tried to make a play. 
And you know what's sad? And we, we don't even have to go there, but I will just for a second. If they lost the game because of that, there'd be a lot of people ripping him today. I, I don't God, think I hope not. I don't think as many now as we saw, let's say, six, seven weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Remember I, that? I was one of those six, seven weeks ago. Right. Yeah, I'll give you another thing that you could learn and that was driving me insane on the last drive of regulation, you know, to kick the game time field goal. They took, you know, when they got like a free timeout from oh, the refs yeah. because they were, like I don't even seconds, know yeah. why they were reviewing that play, but they thought they might have hit the ground or something. They, yeah, like you said, they waited so long to snap the ball. They gave up almost 15 seconds. I'm like, this is going to end up screwing them. Thank God it didn't. But that was something that I won't think Trevor will do again. I don't know if he didn't know the clock was going to start or they just weren't ready, but that was a weird one. Arden Key had a huge game. Sack and a nasty. half. He he is a jolt of energy. Um, you know, all of a sudden where I'm at now, it's like, all right, now that we, you know, we, and he made the one mistake where, you know, he had to set the edge. He was on the, he was at the right defensive end position. And he tried to cut inside as opposed to going outside and setting the edge. And he allowed Dak Prescott uh, to roll to his left and, and really completed a, a very nice pass downfield. Um, if you don't remember the play I'm talking about, again, you'll, you'll see that on replay. And again, it was a gamble. Arden Key thought he could get to Dak Prescott by cutting inside. Um, he was stoned in that particular situation. And Prescott, you know, was able to, to slide outside the pocket and complete a pass. So, yeah, there's um, certainly that is something this football team has to look at. But when you're, when you're getting the pressure there and, you know, Josh Allen, Josh Allen does a nice job setting the edge. Josh Allen is a good football player against the run. He has sacks in consecutive weeks. He's still not, you know, a, a bona fide threat as a pass rusher. I think we get that and we know that. But I just wonder now, after seeing what we did yesterday, when Trayvon Walker returns, are they now in a position where they can afford to slide him inside and say, get after it. Put your hand on the dirt and rush the quarterback uh, from the interior and you can have Allen on one side and you can have Arden Key on the other and you can have Dewan Smoot next to Trayvon Walker when you are in an obvious nickel and you are rushing the passer. Just something to consider. I mean, right now, for Trayvon Walker, it's about getting healthy and, and getting him out there. You, you definitely want him in the game Thursday night. And yeah, everything I'm hearing now and what people keep on sending me is uh, apparently the weather in New Jersey on Thursday is going to be just awful. Cold and rainy. Which is the worst. Even um, even though you don't have a lot of experience, guys may not have experience playing in snow. Remember the last time Trevor played in rain this year, you have four fumbles. Yeah. Five take five turnovers, four fumbles. But um, but this is football. The, yeah, and we're not expecting the Jets to put up huge numbers on offense either. This is football. And and it's December. In a way, you kind of want to see it. I mean, if you look at if you realistically look at the AFC, you're going to have to go through Buffalo. You're going to have to go through Kansas City, right? I mean, those are cold-weather places. Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati was 
Cincinnati had 14 plays in the first half yesterday. 14 plays. It was 17-0. Brady to Mike Evans was as good as I had seen in a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, they came out of the halftime break and just totally fell asleep at the wheel. Cincinnati pounded them. Before unanswered. Yeah. So, but but I tend to, I mean, we it's on tonight, and I don't even know who cares. Uh, but obviously, Los Angeles is dealing with the Super Bowl hangover. And, you know, Aaron Donald's not playing tonight. A lot of their, their key guys are, are nicked up. That's not the case for Cincinnati. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to square up with them right now, especially with Chase and Higgins, you know, both trying to get healthy there on the outside for Joe Well, I have good news for the Jags. When they do win the division, they'll be playing like the Ravens. You know, like that, that, they, the Jags could go to the second round of the playoffs fairly easily, in my opinion, if things fall the way they do. I just hope it's better than the 10 3 game. That we got here with Buffalo a couple of years. I felt so bad for the and, and you know the Jalen pick at the end was great. You didn't love the Koyak fourth and one. Touchdown. Oh, the oh, touchdown to Ben Koyak in the back of the end zone. I just I, you know I I love but this team scores. That, yeah, that, that's not happening. Um, let's see here. Yeah, you're right. You know Buffalo's going to win the East. Cincinnati's got a game lead right now over Baltimore in the North. Kansas City, for a seventh consecutive year, has already clinched the West, which is just mind-boggling. Yeah, so you're going to get either Baltimore or, like, Los Angeles, possibly possibly New England, who let that – I mean, how about New England yesterday? They could even play the Raiders. How did that happen with with New England? I mean, what what a – just a totally freakish situation. He had to have thought they were losing. Jacoby Myers. There's uh, that's the only that's like the J.R. Smith in the NBA Finals forgetting the score type deal, right? Like, there's no way a Bill Belichick coached player would do something like that unless he totally thought the score was. Different. You know what i I did not go and read. He said no, about he didn't his comments. Say that. Yeah, I didn't read about his comments, but I know that unlike Bernard, who dropped the fumble when they tried to do the fake punt. Oh, in Tampa, so stupid. He really got surly with the media yesterday. and Didn't want to answer questions and and things like that. My understanding is that with Myers, he did answer all the questions, but I didn't I didn't get into it and read his answer he as to whether say or not that he forgot the score or anything. Yeah. Uh, so well, if that he, boss if the media did, had to have asked him. Holding. Yeah, I'm just saying he could be lying about it. Yeah. But two two totally different ways on on how to handle. Yeah, that uh, that tough Tampa media, <laughs> and what a tackle by uh, Mac Jones! Oh man, as well. <laughs> that was one of the funniest plays I've ever seen in my life, and if not the funniest. You know how upset those Boston boys are right now. They're saying it's it for Belichick. I'm like, <laughs> he's washed. I'm like, maybe he should go somewhere else. Honestly, like with a new quarterback and. Well, he, it's on him for hiring Matt Patricia and Joe Judge yes. to, to, to run that offense. I mean, a special teams coordinator and a defensive mind to take over on your offense. And I don't know who his coordinator is going to be next year. Heck, it could have been Josh McDaniels again, but all of a sudden he's off the hook. He is saved it, him yesterday. Is it going to be Bill O'Brien? I, I don't know, you know what, what is going to happen there. Um, but what a very interesting day. It was yeah. So the Jags could be playing NFL. any one of these, you know, also rans in the AFC. Yeah, and I would. The Chargers is different. 
Like, that's a serious team. The rest of them, that's a pretty easy matchup. Uh, the top four, as we know, right now it's Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Tennessee. So you look at the top wild card teams, it's Baltimore, Los Angeles, and Miami. Okay. L.A. and Miami at 8-6. and six. Right behind them are the Jets and the Patriots at 7-7. Seven and seven. And then Jacksonville at six and eight. Jacksonville, forget about a wild card. That that that's not going to happen. I mean, for Jacksonville, they they have to to win out, and they're only one game behind now with three to go. It's right there in front of them. And of course, the season wraps up here with Tennessee. You got to win on Thursday night. You win in New Jersey, then you get ten days to get healthy, uh, taking on a Houston team that you know is going to be in a physical football game this weekend against Tennessee, and again, I happen to think that Tennessee is going to lose to Houston this weekend. All right, let's continue on with some of your thoughts. Best way to do it is uh, to get us on the text line. That number is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, bad news rolled in here on Willie McGinnis, who is now with the NFL Network and has been for a little bit. Uh, he is apparently out of a job and has been arrested, taken into custody uh, custody on a felony charge of uh, assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> yeah, so it's like him and six of his buddies in the video. Shout out to TMZ, man. Have you seen the video? Yeah. They, like, walk up to a guy in the club who's sitting down, don't let him stand up, start punching him. Then they all jump on him, kick him in the face. And then at the very end of the video, it's about 90 seconds, Willie McGinnis, after already throwing a couple blows at this dude, is bending over and, like, hitting the guy in the face with a bottle multiple times. I'm surprised by this. Not as though I know Willie, but is a Bostonian very familiar with him. I've, I've never heard anything bad about him. I've done some interviews with him. I remember Tony Baselli, who played with him at USC, uh, talking about just how fierce he was in that AFC championship game, obviously, in 1996. Uh, Baselli at times went up against McGinnis. But, yeah, he always seems like kind of a smiley, even keel that's why it's my number one rule. Don't act like you know these guys, these yeah. athletes. Don't act like they're your friends or like you don't know anything about them. Like yeah. what, what you see from interviews in the locker room and stuff like that means next to nothing to me. Hitting him with a bottle, man. That, so that sounds dirty, personal. Man. Oh, this if you watch the video, this was very personal. Yeah. Some, this guy did something to piss off. Willie and company. That's for damn sure. I mean, I find it hard to believe that some guy just went by and said that the, <laughs> that the Patriots suck or USC <laughs> sucks or something. This feels like Go it was Jets. a little bit deeper than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was something happened. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But, but, you know, it's just. It, You're 51, man. Yeah. Like, act like is. an adult. And, you know, here's a guy who's he's not in the NFL Hall of Fame. He's in the USC Hall of Fame. He's in the Patriots Hall of Fame. He won three Super Bowls. I know he went to USC. I got to believe that he's probably from L.A. Or I, I, they said I, Long Beach County. Okay, so he's he's from California. Now he's got himself a really good job as an analyst at the NFL Network 
in Los Angeles. You know that pays well. You're sure at home. Sure it pays well. You're you, know, you, you where you want to be, though, in Southern Cal. You don't have to live in Bristol. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Which I visited Bristol about three weeks ago. My brother lives up there. Mm-hmm. It sucks, dude. Yeah. There's nothing going on. Up there. Oh, yeah. There's not much out there. No doubt about it. And and the folks at Bristol, they'll, you know, they're kind of like the New York Yankees. Well, they'll have, you know, their A roster of of guys making just phenomenal amount of money. And then they'll have folks entering it where My brother. The, yeah, the feeling is kind of like, well, isn't it an honor to work here at ESPN? And because it's an honor you to work, work here at ESPN, we're gonna pay you this amount of money. <laughs> and no. you're gonna love it. Uh, 23-26, Blue, I want to see more of Key and Smoot on the outside and Trayvon inside on passing downs. Well, yeah, you, you have seen more of that because obviously there have been times where Josh Allen's dropping. And yesterday, as we said, we saw Dewan Smoot dropping. So it's it's almost like, you know, they, they got these guys uh, doing absolutely anything and or everything. I mean, even Devon Hamilton dropping. Yesterday, and it was a couple of weeks ago. It was the last home game. I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, was it the come from behind? Was it the Baltimore Ravens game? was the last home game. Where Hamilton as well was in coverage on a play. I, I, I'm still really confused about their defensive scheme. And I understand that it's going to change on a week-to-week basis. I think here with Dallas... Even though Dallas has three, you know, pretty good wide receivers, one really good one in C.D. Lamb, and, and obviously Schultz is a good tight end, there were times where they went with the three-linebacker look where they said, all right, let's try to do our best against Pollard and Elliott, and if Dak's going to beat us in the air, we'll allow him to beat us in the air. Just let me look back on the numbers here uh, to see what it ended up being on the ground. Dallas yesterday... Uh, 41 rushing attempts, 154 yards. That's an average of 3.8 per. Certainly that's, um, I mean, just look how this game went. 41 rushing attempts for Dallas, 30 passing attempts. Jacksonville, it's like the exact opposite. Jacksonville ran it 27 times. Jacksonville threw the football 42 times. And... You know, Jacksonville had a, I have to believe this is a season high, 27 carries, 192 yards. That's an average of 7.1 a carry yesterday. And Trevor Lawrence had, I want to say, his highest average per pass for the season. It was 7.6 was his average. And he threw some really good footballs yesterday. What, 318 yards, another passer rating of 109. Um it's really starting to get scary in a, in a good way here uh, for the Jaguars that they are able to do basically what they want to do when it comes to uh, running the football. Uh, but it's going to rain on Thursday night. Yeah, and, and this is something that unfortunately we're going to be talking a lot about tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday. You can't control the weather. Uh, it's easy for me to sit here and say they'd be better off doing it in snow. You know, I do think... You know, for me, the worst conditions are a few degrees above freezing. You know, if that rain is 34, 35 degrees, but it's not cold enough to turn into snow, that that can create 
a ton of problems. I mean, everything from your footing to obviously being able to handle the football. Jacksonville continues to lead the NFL in drops. Um, Jacksonville has had some fumble issues. And, you know, we never really have had a conversation about the hand size for Trevor Lawrence because when he was measured, it was fine. But you go off of that game with the rain in Philadelphia and you see him lose it four times. Yeah, that's a concern. The good news is this. Um, you're taking on a mental midget on the other side and Zach Wilson. You know, Absolutely. I, I kind of like your chances right there. You would have loved to play this guy uh, above. What's his name? Mike White. Mike White. Mike White. Although I did watch some of the red zone yesterday and – you know, Wilson sucks, but he has a big ass arm, man. Like and uh, you're good for at least one or two massive throws down the field a game from him. So watch out for that, but besides that, there's really not a lot going on with him. A lot of like you'll look up and he's like at a third and 19 again. James Robinson doesn't play. He's a forgotten guy. And I was looking at the numbers yesterday. I don't even think he got a carry. I don't think he was active. For like another consecutive week. Let's see here. Uh, New York ran the ball 22 times for 50 yards. All right. Garrett Wilson's a good football player. There's no doubt the rookie. Zach Wilson is sketch. Uh, defensively, I think they're better than what people believe. Again, they have a better defense right now than Jacksonville. They're allowing 18.8 points a game. That's tied for fourth in the NFL. I think that's hard to believe. When you think of the 7-7 seven and seven Jets, I think that would surprise quite a few people. I, offensively, they're actually better than Jacksonville. Okay, uh, hold on. Check that. Um, they're 23.4. Let me, let me look at that again. I might have made a mistake when I wrote that down. I can't remember the last time that I made a mistake. Let me see this. Uh, scoring offense, because this is important, right? You're crunching numbers now, and you got to take weather into consideration when you when you do all of that. The Jets, uh, their scoring offense is 20.1. Is that what you have? Yeah, I don't know how I had 23.4. 20.1, Jacksonville's 23.9. Um, no, 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 no. I see what I did. I put the Jaguars' defense over where I should have put the Jets' offense. So this is what we have officially. Jacksonville scores 23.9 a game. That's 12th in the NFL. The Jets score 20.1 a game. That's 23rd in the NFL. Jacksonville allows 23.4 a game. That's 21st in the NFL. The Jets allow 18.8 a game. That is tied for fourth. Maybe I'm hungover like the rest of the city. And I, just, of, and I just wrote down numbers the wrong way. It's a lot of not high numbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for trends here and, and, and things that kind of stick out. I would be shocked if they scored 20 points this week, the Jets. Jets are good against the run. Uh, they're decent when it comes. Actually, the, I, I just gave you the, their rushing numbers from yesterday, which were just awful. We're just putrid. And despite that, they still run for more than 100 yards a game. The Jets, uh, let's see here. 
you look at their rushing defense, their third in scoring defense, they're uh, about ninth or tenth in rushing defense, 115 point, uh, 111.5 yards again. You know, we kind of saw through that this week that if you found a weakness in Dallas, it was their rush defense. You remember, Dallas was second in pass defense. Dallas was third in scoring defense. And this team hung 40 on them. Okay? And now those takeaways helped. Obviously, one went for a pick six. Also, the other pick uh, that uh, Rayshon Jenkins had put him in, in decent field position. But that's part of it. That whole turnover-takeaway ratio uh, is huge. And, and Jacksonville is, is seven ahead of the Jets in that category. Jacksonville's plus four in the turnover-to-takeaway ratio, where the New York Jets are minus three. Just another way. Uh, to look at this, but it, there's no doubt cold weather favors the Jets. They, they play in that stuff often. You know, all you got to do is look within the division. And, and they're the ones with the crappy offense. Right. Obviously, outside of, uh, you know, trips down to Miami, um, Buffalo and New England, I mean, Foxborough and Buffalo, you know, you're going to make a trip there at least once a year. And, Sometimes you'll catch a break and get them earlier in the season, but other times uh, you're going to catch them late when snow does become a factor. How about I, the, uh, real quick, the yeah. snowballs in Saturday night's game against the Bills and the Dolphins? I love that. <laughs> I love that kind of atmosphere, man. I was actually pissed that they made them stop throwing the snow. They had to, like, stop the game. Well, let me tell you that snowballs, you know, a nice soft snowball can be – you know, warm and fuzzy. <laughs> These but look like ice. You get you get those that yeah. again when when the rain turns to snow. You're right. It's like ice, bro. It's like someone picking up a rock and throwing it right at you. And it's like, okay, throw it at the players. They have helmets and pads on. But there was camera guys getting felt. Oh, yeah. Like leave my dudes alone. No, no there. doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Innocent bystanders. We got much more to do. Run until 8 o'clock tonight. Then Hacker will join you. He's JJ. My name is Rick Ballou. Let's get to some of your comments. 641-1010 on the text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. We'll head there next. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, the Jaguars and the Jets just released their injury report, and it is lengthy. I'll get there in a minute. I uh, got a good uh, text here. Let's see, uh, sixty-seven zero nine. Blue Eric Fisher's uh, Eric Fisher plays with the Finns, uh, but the question still applies. Uh, should we try to get a backup offensive tackle as an insurance policy if either Jawan or Little get hurt? Now that Cam Robinson is out for the remainder of the year, it, it, it is scary right now. If you look at their offensive line, their depth is on the interior not on the outside. Okay, you have Blake Hance, you have Cole Van Lannon. Both are listed basically as uh, as backup guards. Uh, right now, this team has two healthy tackles in Taylor and in Walker Little. Uh, looking at their practice squad, Coy Kronk is there as an offensive tackle. The other two they have are considered guards. Daryl Williams, and Jim Murray. So Jacksonville did make a transaction today. I would not be surprised at all if you hear of some immediate help that comes in 
at the offensive tackle position. The, the Jaguars today actually signed a, a kid they drafted back in um, uh, back during the NFL draft back in May. Uh, or what, April uh, is the NFL draft. Gre- Gregory Jr. was a sixth-round pick, pick number 197. So they signed him today to the active roster. He actually came up from the practice squad, and the Jaguars today did wave Tyree Gillespie a safety. But, yeah, you're going to need a third tackle. And Cole Van Lannon, 6'4", 3'12", why do I believe that he may have a little bit of experience uh, as a tackle, okay? I'm not 100% on that, but I, I wonder if in a pinch, he's the guy that they go to. And yeah, I, I did speak with Phil Rauscher, I had a long conversation with him before the season began, the Jaguars offensive line coach. And we talked about his desired scheme of, of his style of, uh, you know, his zone block uh, that, that he would like to run. And, and also about cross-training because – Remember the conversation piece? The entire offseason was if Juwan Taylor wins the job, does Walker Little move and play, you know, a guard position? Obviously, Brandon Sheriff is a... Did you see the block that Brandon Sheriff made yesterday when he pulled? He went from the uh, the right guard position, pulled left, and knocked over two defensive players. I want to say it was a... I want to say it was a Travis Etienne run. I'm glad he did because there was one play where it was really rough. Uh, I think it was the only sack allowed by the Jags. And um, what's his name? That was a the stunt. amazing pass rusher. Parson. Parson. That, yeah, totally that was when he stunted. My poor guy. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Went right past him. But he's a guard. I mean, it's... He, he came from the left defensive end and, and, and ran past Juwan Taylor and past yes. Brandon Sheriff and, and cut right in between. The guard and uh, made it look super and easy. Luke Fortner, but uh, he was dealing with an injury. You know, Sheriff, absolute warrior out there yesterday. He had twelve pressures yesterday, Michael Parsons. The kid's a freak, man. Well, think about the performance. I mean, one sack. Think of the performance that Trevor Lawrence had yesterday. So that slippery, man. He fought off twelve pressures alone. So to answer your question, I would not be surprised unless they have complete faith in Cole Van Lannon. Remember, you pull a guy up uh, from the practice squad, or I know if you go from one team to another, you got to be there for at least three weeks. Uh, let's say that in this case, the the move they just made uh, that we talked about, if he had been signed by another team, he would have to be a part of the active roster for three weeks. But, you know, this has been somewhat of a revolving door at times. Uh, let's see, they still have four rookies on here. The quarterback, E.J. Perry, Kevin Austin Jr., the wide receiver out of Notre Dame. Uh, Garrett Prince, a tight end. They have James McCourt, uh, backup kicker. So those are the rookies. So we'll see, you know, what this football team ends up doing. Um, 53-74, Baloo, if the Jags win the next two games and the Titans lose the next two games, will the last game against the Titans matter? Does Jacksonville have the tiebreaker? No. Well, the answer to that question is no and no. 
and I'll tell you why, because the second phase of figuring out the playoffs is divisional play. And right now, Tennessee is 3-1 and one in the division. Jacksonville is 3-2. and two. Now, Tennessee loses to Houston, and Jacksonville knocks off Houston. Then they would both have divisional records of 3-2. and two. Um, Obviously, that would mean that whoever wins the last game between both teams would be yeah, it's, the winner of, of the wild. That, that's or, what it's going to take. The uh, tiebreaker right. as well, yeah. Yep. That's so what, like winner take all. Because the, the head-to-head would be tied, but in that case, both teams would have a divisional record of 3-2. and two. The winner of that game goes to 4-2 and two in the division. The loser of that game falls to 3-3. Three and three. Now, the, the bad scenario would be the Titans don't lose to Houston but lose the rest of their games. Jags win the rest of their games. So you were thinking like the Jags have a lead – uh, going into the last game of the season, but that it's basically like the Titans have a a half game lead. Yeah, uh, a, a one and a half game lead. Excuse me. Believe, think of it like that. Believe it or not, the game that Jacksonville could have lost was yesterday. Yeah, that they could afford. To yeah, have lost. they can't afford to lose anymore. You got to beat the Jets and you got to beat Houston. You have to win them both, and you have to beat Tennessee. And, you know, right now you're talking about Tennessee with a one-game lead. Tennessee 7-7, seven and seven. Jacksonville is 6-9. and nine. We, we know that Jacksonville goes to New Jersey on Thursday night. They go to Houston on New Year's Day. And then they'll wrap up the season here at home against Tennessee, which can you imagine what that environment is going to be like after what we witnessed yesterday? what this will be like if it literally becomes a win-and-you're-in situation. And for Jacksonville, it's a win-you're-in, and then you host a playoff game a week later. And it could be a Sunday night game. Yeah. They could definitely flex that last game of the season in Sunday night, NBC. Imagine that atmosphere when everybody's been drinking for eight hours. Right, right. Now, Tennessee has been on the road three out of the last five weeks. Tennessee has lost four straight, okay? In those games, Tennessee has scored 16 against Cincinnati, 10 in Philadelphia, 22 against the Jaguars in Nashville, and then in L.A. yesterday, they crumbled after tying it. They, they just allowed L.A. to draw, drive the entire field and, and kick a game-winning field goal. They scored 14 yesterday in L.A. Here's what benefits Tennessee. Their next two games are home. And call me crazy, call me anything you want, but I happen to believe that when you get to this time of year and you play on a Saturday, which is Christmas Eve, and then you play on a Thursday night, which I'm I'm now learning for the first time. I didn't know that Tennessee was going to get the extra three days to get healthy here against Jacksonville. I, I I should have known that. I did not until this exact second. I cannot lie to you. So their Dallas game is a Thursday That night. is a Thursday nighter, okay? And Dallas might not be playing for anything. Mm-hmm. Like, they may pretty not. pretty much locked into the number five. Yeah, da- I mean, it, for Dallas, this may be get healthy because regardless, win or lose, they know they're going to the, AF, the, the NFC South for week one 
during Wild Card Weekend. But anyway, I, I happen to believe, even though you hear business trip and all this, you got a lot of young guys, young families. You know, they, they want to be around for Christmas. They want to be around for New Year's, all that. They are going to be around. They're going to be home. Everyone has to come to them. And that's totally the opposite of Jacksonville. Even though Jacksonville, in my opinion, gets a major break by playing Thursday night. So, all right, so you, you, you're back home. For those of you who don't know, that game will start at what? 820, 815, 820. Uh, that game will be over by, you know, 1130, uh, quarter to 12 or whatever. Those guys will do their interviews, get showered up. They'll get the police escort from the stadium to the tarmac. They'll hop on the plane. They'll be back home here at uh, 3 in the morning. That early. 3.30, 4 in the morning if everything goes okay. Okay, so then, you know, you have your Friday and, and Saturday. What? Uh, Sunday is actually Christmas. So they're back home here and they're good. But they got to turn around again and, and obviously go to Houston. Now, this is what the intangibles are all about. Maybe I'm making a bigger deal out of this than I need to. But I've, I, I've always felt that way. I mean, just ask yourself. How were you when you were 21, 22, 23, or 24? Or maybe you're in your late 20s, early 30s, and you know, you, you're, you're, you're excited to see what your kids are going to be like on Christmas morning when, when Santa... Uh, comes by with the bag, right? It's and when you're not there, I, I I think it can play a toll on some. I'm sure there's others who are like, I could care less, you know. Give me, just tell me where I need to go, and I'm I'm going to play a game. But I I think it's you know Jacksonville has two in a row on the road, where in this case Tennessee has two in a row at home. But then that all changes for the season finale, where Tennessee's got to come here. So. A very long-winded way of answering your question, Mm-mm. no room for error. Jacksonville has to win these three games. So we'll see. And I think they will. I do too. I absolutely do. I, I, I mean, when it was yesterday, when it was 27-10, I'm like, there's no way. I it, thought the opposite. I there's like three minutes to go. Back now, man. It's something crazy about Trevor. Like, I just assume the Jags are going to come back. Uh, the Lions game was really the only one where, like, when they scored immediately after halftime, I was like, okay, it's a wrap. Just because, like, I don't even think they have enough possessions to come back. How did that happen? <laughs> the Lions are good, man. How did that? But, I mean, they've played some really good teams this year. Philadelphia is really good. Uh, LA's really good. Dallas is really good. They, that defense just folded, man. They gave up a touchdown on almost or a score on every I single I thought drive. they were toast. I season. thought that they were done. I I I mean, eight straight possessions and Detroit scored on each and every one of them. I I thought that that football team was dead after that game. It says a lot about Doug. It really does. That he can get these guys immediately back into it. There's no question about it. I mean, you you can't possibly argue against it. And I remember having my phone with Peterson because, remember, he was the one who came out and said, we weren't ready. I don't I don't know why. And I was kind of like, what? After the whole week being like, this is a playoff. Right. I'm like, your entire job is to have these guys ready. What do you mean you're not ready? And 
look at what they've done ever since then. And, and again, the scariest thing of all, let me read you this before the break. This is Jacksonville's last six games. Trailing yesterday, 14-0. Trailing against Tennessee, 14-7. Trailing against Detroit, 20-3. Trailing against Baltimore, 6-0. But you know it as well as I do. That does not tell the story. You had two drop touchdown passes. Definitely one. The other we can make a case. Anyway, that could have been a 14-0 game. It, it, they settled for field goals. Those were wins for Jacksonville. 6 nothing Baltimore. 20 nothing Kansas City. And Vegas here, 17 nothing Raiders. Jacksonville, this is something you don't want to have happen every week, right? You, you, you've got to, you, you don't want to be down 14 nothing Thursday night in New Jersey against the Jets. And the point I'm trying to make is that they're fearless. They, they fight back where I think in a lot of cases teams would quit or go through the motions. That's not happening here. Um, you, you can put this team behind the eight ball, yet they find a way to keep fighting, and they're a very resilient bunch. And, you know, win or lose yesterday, my whole point was what an entertaining football game. If they were to lose that one yesterday, that was my point that I made all offseason is – as long as they could score, you know, and if you lose a game, say they lost it 40 to 34. It's if you, fun. If you lose a game like that, then you can say, all right, well, you better do something about that defense and fix that defense. But you know you have the quarterback. You know you have some playmakers. You know that you can score. And that's what Jacksonville's been doing the last couple Ask of weeks. a Jets fan, what's more fun, having a great defense or having a great offense? Yeah. Tennessee as well. Yeah, exactly. No doubt. All right, much more to do. We'll take you up till 8. Hacker Nation, we'll join you then. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. What in the hell happened at the Gators over the weekend? I cannot lie. I've got it on tape. I caught a bit of it in the fourth quarter in the 19th hole, but what a, just an embarrassing performance. Don't watch it. It's like a snuff film, honestly. Eight carries, 14 yards for Trevor Etienne. 11 carries, 14 yards for Montrell Johnson. I figured the Dailies would have been able to run the ball. I know they were missing their all-world guard who's going to the NFL. The Jack Miller regime. It's all about the Beavers. 30-3. 30-3. to three. I did see when the Florida lined up for that last second field goal to avoid the shutout. I would say that's shameful, but Miami did that a few years ago against uh, Clemson in the ACC title game to avoid a shutout. But I didn't know Florida had, like, the longest active streak of never being shut out. So you guys still got that going for you. There's a video going around right now. I'm going to try to send it to you quickly. Um of a Gator player, number 33, and the score is 10 I watched to nothing. it. The, oh, my God. The pass rush? Yes. So it has a 1.2 million views right now. It's only 10 nothing in the second quarter, so it's not like the game's out of hand. And he's literally on a pass rush. I wouldn't call it a rush. He's, like, walking slowly up to the offensive lineman. Like, it's one of effort. the most disgraceful things I've ever, ever seen, and I don't know the particulars involved. 
but you always hear when you get ready for the NFL draft, his motor isn't always running. I don't know how he's going to be able to live through that if he's got any shot at anything. So I just retweeted it at JJ Lasav on Twitter. It's no. it's a phenomenal watch. Really, really, really bad. I, I was having some trying to have some fun with some gators. I got off the golf course and said, I've been playing golf today. Can I get a gator score? And as we always say, Twitter's undefeated, so almost every score that I got was fifty two twenty. Going back to the 96 rematch. I'm sure. I'm like, there you go. You can, you know what? You, you can carry that with you for your entire life. Uh, 54-05, below. I feel like the drive where they were calling all those jet suites with Agnew and went all the way down the field and scored was one of the best drives Doug has called all season. You, you know what? You're spot on. You, and I put that on Twitter as well right when it happened. It was like one of the best combination pass-run drives that we have seen. I love Jamal Agnew. The man needs more touches. Let me take a quick look here at what Agnew's doing so far this year. Again, he's like Andrew Tony to me. He's like he's like VJ. He's like Vinny Johnson. This guy is is nothing but pure offense. All right, for the year, Jamal Agnew has ten carries for ninety two yards. Okay, he's averaging nine point two a carry. And uh, let's see, receiving, Jamal Agnew, 20 receptions, 167 yards, averaging 8.4 a reception with three touchdowns. He's a spot player. Let me see how many snaps he got. I bet he only had around a, you know 10 to 12. That's typically what they do with him. Yet it's great because when he comes in the game, you, you know that, that he is – going to be called on. So he played 10 snaps. Jamal Agnew played 10 snaps on Sunday. We know he had the three carries, uh, the three reverses that, again, went for, was it 52? It went for 52 yards. Uh, let's see here. Receptions, two for 12. So he literally, his number was called five out of the 10 times unless there was another one that was attempted to him and it was an incomplete pass, then that would end up being, and there was actually. So, so there was one target where there was an, an incomplete pass. So that means out of the 10 times that he was on the field, his number was called six of those 10 times. Non-returns. And even when he had that really important return, got it all the way oh, to yeah. almost the 35. Oh, it's, it's, I love it. I mean, I'm trying to remember – has this team ever had anyone like that before? I, I honestly can't Marquise think of one. Marquise Lee, no. It's it's so uh, he it's was so what enjoyable. He was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's like a little, you know, it's like a weapon that you know you plug him in. I mean, they called VJ the microwave because the, it didn't matter if you had Joe Dumars, Isaiah Tom, it didn't matter what he came in and what he did. VJ was going to start throwing up three ball after three ball and hit. Same with Andrew Tony. Remember Andrew Tony back with the old Philadelphia no, 76ers? I, that was a name I didn't recognize. He was the third guard behind Mo Hollins and Maurice Cheeks. Okay, that was the Philadelphia Daryl Dawkins, Julius Irving, Bobby Jones, Caldwell Jones. It was such a great rivalry then between Boston and Philadelphia in the late 70s and, and throughout the, you know, the middle part of the 80s. Andrew Tony was a guy 
when you saw him come in, you were petrified. The guy would just light it up from anywhere. Because almost no one shot threes oh. back then. Yeah, yeah I don't think it was um, the uh, Swiss Army knife for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the three-point line came in in 79. I might be wrong. All right, injury report. Trevor Lawrence didn't practice today. Uh, Andrew Wingard, shoulder limited. Trayvon Walker, the ankle limited. That's better than last week. He didn't go at all. Chad Muma, the ankle limited. Uh, Brandon Sheriff, the abdomen did not work today. Cam Robinson obviously did not work today. Doug Peterson telling us he's probably gone for the remainder of the regular season. The ankle for Foley Fatakasi, he did not practice today. And Juancho with a hamstring was limited. Let me see if there's any guys that really stick out here for New York. The Cal for, here's a guy who sticks out, Quinn and Williams. <laughs> Great football player. Calf limited. Uh, Mike White looks like he's not going to go. It is going to be Zach, Wilkes, uh, Zach Wilson. LaMarcus Joyner, the hip, limited. George Fant, tackle, knee, limited. Corey Davis, concussion, limited. Dwayne Brown, a tackle, shoulder, limited. Jeff Smith, wide receiver, DMP. Denzel Mims, so that's another wide receiver. They got three wide receivers nicked up. Denzel Mims, Jeff Smith, and Corey Davis. Mims and Smith didn't practice today, and quarterback Brandon Eccles did not practice today. So there you have it. We're getting a lot of Corey Grant. He was the last uh, more of a running back than a receiver. But Corey yeah, Grant, one yeah, of those guys. Corey Grant was one of the fastest players to ever play here. He had phenomenal straight speed, but if you ask for a little bit of wiggle. It wasn't going to happen with Corey Grant. But if you're talking point A to point B and you're running north to south or south to north, he's the guy you want. Uh, But not nearly the football player that Jamal Agnew is with with his his vision and his ability to uh, make others miss. So there you have it. What a lot of fun this is, huh? Victory Mondays. We're going to get a victory Friday. We're going to be at Mr. Chubby's Friday this week. All right, we're off because of the game, but on Friday we're going to be at Mr. Chubby's at Ponte Vedra Beach, 6 That's going to do it. I don't check the text line now that the show is over. If you want to get a hold of me, the best way to do so is on Twitter. That is Baloo1010XL. For JJ, I am Rick Baloo. We'll talk tomorrow. Keep it right here. Hacker is next.